Welcome to Wisdom at the Crossroads. I'm your host, Amanda Onchalenko, and I'm excited to invite you into my studio practice remotely. Together, let's pause the rhythm of the day as we dive into the backstories of an artistic life, my life, exploring lessons learned through creativity and inspiration. So get yourself a beverage and let's settle in for a short while as we reflect on how some of my favourite paintings have evolved and what wisdom I have found at the crossroads where action and presence meet. I hope your week has been a good one. Mine felt a bit wobbly as we dealt with a COVID hostage in our house that is thankfully now recovered. Wearing my mother nursemaid hat resulted in limited studio time. On the days that I could get to the studio, I had been working on a commission, a process that can often get me second-guessing myself. The last couple of painting sessions have seen progress to the point where I need to let a four-foot square canvas rest a little. Moving on to a second piece with the same theme yet of a different shape and structure has been fun. The idea of an invitation is common to both pieces and I am working to develop a sense of depth to assist with inviting the viewer into the image. There is no snow on my painting wall but there is plenty of snow still melting and freezing outside in what is becoming a reluctant beginning to spring here. Colour inside the studio is an antidote to the greyness of winter's end before spring is really ready to spring to life here. We can hardly wait. Someone commented one time that I live in a climate where winter is a feature, yet the work I exhibited was vibrant and colourful with a distinct absence of snow. I appreciated the observation. I should probably confess I have for many years used the winter to work on the inspiration I had gathered during the rest of the year. Colour in the studio has been an antidote to the variations of winter's white that is more than abundant in the northern climate where we live. The photographic inspiration I gathered way back when was usually taken en route between the activities of my children and mostly during the spring and summer when my schedule was a little bit more flexible. The fall was busy with new school years and sporting schedules and winter had ice. Ice is slippery, obviously, and cold, and for me it was strangely unfamiliar. I was then, and I can still be, a bit like a version of young Bambi navigating a frozen pond for the first time. The upending of my teapot was a very common thing, so I did a lot less discovery and photography after the snow had arrived. I think it would actually be pretty clear to Canadians I am not a local. I was very careful around ice, tiptoeing around it, to try to avoid a spill, in contrast to the Canadians in my family who run and shuffle speedily towards it to enjoy the slide. I had no such winter association, having grown up in what poet Branjo Patterson called a sunburnt country. There is snow in the southern highlands in Australia, but I have experienced the chill of the snowy mountains exactly once, and only very briefly before finding myself living on the Canadian prairies. Australia is dominated by coastline with vast expanses of surf and sand. I'm an excellent swimmer. I can handle a surfboard, but I have a distinct absence of the winter balance gene my Canadian husband and my kids naturally share. Life is an evolution, and just like Forrest Gump and his box of chocolates, we just don't know what we are going to get as we evolve through the decisions and choices we make along the way. Signing up for the road less travelled is never a bad thing. In fact, I highly recommend it and I'm grateful for all the lessons the Great White North has taught me. As an immigrant, we bring with us what we know in our souls, 
so colour and warmer weather were naturally more familiar to me and became the natural choices in my paintings. As I got to experience the nuances of the prairie and her seasons, I became more aware of the action of light on white, the reflections and refractions that brought colour into the seasonal landscape in bold and subtle ways. I learned to look and to really see. Getting back to painting and my friend's comment about a lack of winter subjects in my work, I was undaunted by the observation and inspired to take up the challenge to express the winter landscape around me from my personal perspective. With my focus on winter inspiration, I sought out subjects after fresh snowfalls. Wet snow is sticky and holds onto the boughs and limbs of trees and shrubs, making for some lovely shapes. It can even be so heavy it takes trees and electrical wires down with it. This we know from an experience a couple of years ago, and what we still refer to here as the tree Armageddon in our neighbourhood. At the time I was planning this winter series, I had carloads of kids, mine and their friends, neighbours or teammates piling in and out of my car for school and sporting activities on any given day. One morning I discovered a lovely snow-laden evergreen on the way to school and made a quick turnaround after drop-off to photograph it before the morning light had faded. My friend's side-yard provided the subject matter this time, so thankfully I was no longer trespassing. The series that evolved from this casual challenge came to be called Cocktail Hour, in part because of the vibrant colour palette I used on these winter subjects. All artists I have found have particular tendencies when it comes to colour choices and preferences, and I'm no different. This group was painted in 2005 when I still relied on photographic inspiration and traditional film. There was a delay between filming for processing and developing that my children in their instant gratification world might not fully appreciate today. Once I had my inspirational imagery in hand, I cleared off a studio wall and installed four sheets of Archer's heavyweight watercolour paper. They were full sheets, 22 and a half inches by 30 inches each. The pieces were later float mounted as the entire surface became part of the composition. By pinning each piece heavily using the arc of the many thumbtacks to secure the paper to the wall, I did not perforate the edges with pinholes. This process also helped to prevent the heavy paper sheets loaded with wet media from warping as they dried. I used four sheets because that's what I had on hand and that's also the extent of what could fit along the length of my wall. I used the same photograph as inspiration on all four paintings in what became a visual game I played at the studio. My linear thinking husband and I joke about our respective approaches to problem solving. He thinks logically in a straight line, while I tend to spiral around until we both, mostly, end up with the same conclusions, although he is not an artist. His stories of solo play are actually funny. He was ten years younger than his older brother and five years younger than his sister, so neither sibling was available or really interested in the energetic games he played. So he became an expert at creatively entertaining himself with complex games enacting sporting events where he provided the commentary, the plays, and all of the players of entire football games. I can just imagine him running up and down the side yard catching his own high passes, sometimes with the sound effects like the hissing of a cheering crowd, for hours and hours on end. I laughed at his explanation of childhood games and may have even raised a cautious eyebrow that suggested, really, hun? But in hindsight, it seems, problem-solving games are something we share. Both of us have developed imaginary worlds. While he may have aspired to be an actual quarterback, I was designing the plays that took place across my painterly playing field. 
I challenged myself by beginning the group of four paintings in different ways, starting with a foundation image drawn in washy liquid acrylic and a fine flippy paintbrush, by blocking in a foundation structure in complementary colours with a wide brush, by using a different colour palette to begin, and on one of them I hooked into the drawing on the right-hand side of the brain theory by painting it upside down. The painting was upside down, not me. As a side note, turning a composition upside down is a strategy I often use when a painting has me stuck and unsure of where to take it. When you're your own boss, you can give yourself permission to have some fun with your process, because you know, nobody's really watching. My boss, by the way, can be a hard taskmaster, and often pushes me to try new things, to expand and to grow, even though I have been resistant at times to stepping out of my comfortable routines. Thankfully, my boss embraced the idea of play in the work of art I was making in 2005. One of the four paintings that make up the group I called Cocktail Hour lives behind glass on the landing of our stairs at home. This painting is not far from Pinkett Panema, whom I introduced on the podcast in Season 1, Episode 9. Opposite the front door, Strawberry Margarita welcomes visitors to our home no matter what the season. The subject reads a bit ambiguously from a distance given my colour choices but on closer inspection, the snow story takes shape and it is clear it is a winter scene. In painting this series, I remember striving for depth by focusing on the snow-heavy pine backlit with morning sun. I kept with this intention regardless of the colour choices or process I used for each of the individual paintings. I loved the shapes freshly accumulated snow made in real time on the boughs of this evergreen tree. It is amazing the diversity we find in snow-laden landscapes in shape, texture and even colour when we take a little more time to really look with a view to seeing. I like to say life is lived in the details. When we are where, we are present. Where we are, whatever the season, and our lives are enriched because of it. The other three paintings to this group quickly found their forever homes. The one I have may have been the runt of the litter. I don't know. What I do know is that it was the one that was left over and therefore available to fill a void when my hubby sent home some dinner guests with a framed still life that had occupied that welcome location at our front door. We laugh now about his early sales strategies, but I have to say, seeing artwork in appropriately scaled living spaces helps a client to visualise how a piece might work in their own environment. App makers have realised this fact recently, as there are several available that make for helpful marketing tools. A personal connection has always been my favourite model. I enjoy people and I am extremely grateful for the supportive clients, many of them now friends, with whom I have made connections because of my art. The Cocktail Hour series and Strawberry Margarita in particular made for an appropriate backdrop to some of our once-upon-a-dinner parties when our kids were quite young. Eventually I did ban my husband from selling paintings off our walls, particularly while our guests were drinking the good wine. I didn't want our friends to decline an invitation to join us for an event worrying the night would end up more expensive than the bottle of wine or appetizer they contributed. These were fun times for sure, and it's still fun to reimagine the stories the artwork could tell of the entertaining interactions that have taken place on that stairwell landing. Colour I have found is a perfect connector, and I am grateful for all the connections my work has inspired so far. Presence has been top of mind lately. While it's important to dream and to plan, it is equally important to be present in the moment. 
Each day is an opportunity to begin again, to forget the troubles of yesterday, to abandon our attachment to the promises of tomorrow. Today is where we are, and today is where we begin. A simple first step toward presence is achieved by making an effort to avoid distraction, or at least by trying to minimize it. We can acknowledge our distracted thoughts. Yes, they happen all the time, but we don't need to chase after each and every one. Acceptance of where we are does not mean we are destined to remain there. Presence is not a static state. Presence is awareness of the moment, whatever that moment provides. A good friend of mine reminded me recently to simply be. Just be where I am, wherever I am. It's amazing how powerful a few simple words can be. By being more, I was inspired to do less. Four simple words, be more, do less, became a mantra of sorts for me. Today I'd like to take a few minutes to just be together, shall we? Let's get ourselves comfortable in our space, however that looks for you. Let's relax and settle in with ourselves. The breath is wise, so be aware and notice your breath. If I am stressed and rushing about, my breathing is likely shallow and not as effective as it could be. In fact, shallow breaths contribute to our stress by depriving the cells of a fully oxygenated bloodstream. Focus on your breath. Be aware of your personal rhythm. Aim to breathe and to fully inhale. Exhale to fully deflate the lungs. Notice the role the chest and the belly play when you breathe intentionally. As you settle into a rhythm, try to extend the distance between the inhale and the exhale. Breathing in through the nose to the count of four if you're able. Pause at the top, then breathe out for the count of four. Pause at the bottom. Breathing in for four, and breathing out for four. Focus on the breath, for the breath is what nourishes the soul. Breathing consciously opens us to the potential for discovery and opportunity. While your focus is on the simple course of air into and out of your system, you might be aware of random thoughts that barge into your conscious moments. Acknowledge these thoughts. Mentally be aware that yes, this thought X has drawn my attention. I acknowledge the thought, and then I turn my attention back to the breath. Thoughts will come and go. We can accept they exist. We can acknowledge them. Yes, I have thought why on my radar, but I will allow it to simply pass for now and return to my breath in this moment. Focus on the inhale. One, two, three, four, 
pausing at the top. Focus on the exhale. Pausing at the bottom and continue with your cycle. A simple first step toward presence is achieved by making an effort to avoid distraction, or at least by trying to minimize it. We can acknowledge our distracted thoughts, but we don't need to chase after each and every one. With each cycle of the breath and each interrupted thought, I try to acknowledge and accept, then return to the presence of my breath. The breath ignites the light within me. The breath grounds me and helps me to be still. Right where I am. Right now. Rest here if you have time to spend on yourself. If you found this procedure difficult, return to it in short bursts when you are available for yourself. Meditation is a journey not a destination. Our lives are found in the doing and also in the being. I wish you well and I wish you moments where you can be more and do a little less. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're able to find something that resonated for you as we journeyed through the backstories of art, life and inspiration together. Watch for new episodes to drop weekly on Tuesdays. I'll meet you there with your morning coffee or afternoon tea as we gather in my studio remotely. Unless, of course, you knock on my door or pop into my messages. Find me on Instagram at mandartcanada or on my website www.mandart.ca where you'll find show notes and images of the artworks we discuss on the podcast in the blog. Feel free to bring a friend or reach out with your questions or comments. I would love to hear from you. In the meantime, I will look forward to joining with you again as we seek wisdom at the crossroads where action and presence meet. Take care. Bye now.